Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. I want more to feel free and tell them that we love them. I've looked at clear cuts and burnt forest and I've felt outraged. We are the crowning glory of God's creation, and all of nature was made for us. Nature is more productive because of us, not less. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Welcome in. Welcome in. It is a Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks, obviously the best-looking guy on this radio station at this time. That's an absolute fact. And if you don't believe it, you should do some research on me. Just look me up on Google. I'm telling you, you will be pleasantly surprised what you find. All right. All right. Enough about me. Todd is out on the campus of Kennesaw State University now, and I think he's ready for me to stop talking about me so he can start talking about Christ and we'll send it out to him. Now, let's get out there now to the big tall guy. It's a Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. This could not be better because this is Jordan, who is <laughs> who is studying sociology, which is the study of. Um, it's basically like the study of society and how it's like organized and like how people's behaviors make up certain societal like norms. Which is actually what I do want to talk to you about. I wrote this little booklet right here, all right, and it's called Thirteen Reasons Why You Should Not Commit Suicide." Suicide in your generation is like exploding sociologically why do you think that's happening i feel like there's a lot of pressure in these modern day societies because even like as myself as a nursing major i know that kennesaw's nursing program is so hard and it's so competitive that it's honestly like not been the best time some mental breakdowns have happened because it's just like (laughs) anatomy is kind of (laughs) hard so i just think there are a lot of pressures with school and just like other factors in life from like i don't know like family pressures and stuff like friends i feel like everything is just kind of heightened in a sense just for fun because this this could be a real genuine sociological experiment right when i went to school it was hard too right and family issues we all had them right now granted we don't have the phones and we don't have technology but things were challenging then but the suicide rate among your generation versus mine is radically higher so what do you think is the issue or what are the components that have contributed to your generation feeling like it's a better option to perhaps take their own life than to live what do you suppose it might be in a way i feel like depression anxiety and like things that lead up to suicide are almost like romanticized a little bit I just feel like, I don't know, people just tend to brush it off at something that's not that bad. Suicide? Well, like, I don't know. It's obviously it's horrible, but I just feel like it's more common. And that's why it's like romanticized Uh, in a way. Okay, so it's acceptable because a lot of people do it. So it's not such a big deal. Wow. Okay, I'm I'm actually not going to argue with you, but I'm just wondering at what point must somebody get to to think it's not so bad because there's something inside of me that says i don't want to die that's like the biggest decision you could make so i i don't think you're wrong but do you think there's anything else that that contributes to that decision because it is a monumental and it is a final decision i think that a lot of people don't really they're not very aware of all the resources that are available for them 
which I feel like is also a factor because obviously everybody's trying their best, like counselors and advisors and just like parents, families, family members. So I just feel like, I don't know, it's a tough subject because like it's almost like they have to take the charge in order to reach out for help because you can only do so much without them wanting help. Let me share with you what I think are some, because there's many factors and many variances based on everybody's life. But let me tell you what I think are some of the big things that are contributing to your generation being different in this regard than my generation. And then you sociologically can tell me what you think. All right. I think that because here at the university and even in high school and junior high, you were taught a worldview that ultimately leads to death. That the postmodern worldview, which basically teaches there's no objective truth, it is merely subjective. Your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. We can totally disagree, and we're both right because that's our truth. And yet, I think there's something inside of all of us that realizes that's not right. So, for instance, if you went to pay for that Yeti mug at the store and they said, that's $30 for that mug. And you said, you know, my truth is it's $15, right? It doesn't, it's like, wait a second. (laughs) But they told me at school that whatever my truth is, is reality. But we live in a reality that says you don't get to define truth. And so I think that there's this, this dissonance inside of a lot of people that's like, I'm being told one worldview that doesn't match reality. And it's causing me to be kind of confused, especially about moral issues. So, for instance, instead of the Yeti, if there's nothing that is objectively wrong, there's nothing that is intrinsically evil, according to the worldview that's propagated here, there's something inside of me that says, actually, there is. I know that genocide is evil. It's not a preference issue. It isn't just up to just because the Germans as a culture decided it, that was not right. It is not right to beat a child. I know that. And yet they're telling me, I can't tell anybody they're wrong. I have to tell everybody they're right. And that's just their opinion. And I think that alone causes such conflict inside of us. It leaves our feet firmly planted in midair where we're kind of Believing one thing, but living in a different reality. And I think that causes enough of a jarring to the human psyche that it can lead people to just a lot of confusion. All right, that's one reason. Thoughts on that? I agree with you. I remember learning about with the worldviews and stuff and how they portray life as such like a linear thing about like there's a beginning and an end. So you're always taught about like, oh, like there's like everyone's going to die. Like, I don't know where I was going with that. Let me try number two with you. All right. The evolutionary worldview would teach us that you and I are very, very lucky because a dog didn't evolve as far as we did or pond scum didn't make it all the way to But we, we somehow, through the great big cosmic lottery, you and I are just plain lucky. Now, if that's true, that also has some implications. It tells me that there really is no purpose to life. I'm just here. I'm living. When I die, I'm dead. And there's no point to any of this. And if there's no right, no wrong, it doesn't matter how I live. So I walk around kind of confused. I've got myself a guilty conscience because 
I've got this feeling I'm doing bad things, but I'm told don't worry about it because nothing is really wrong. And then I'm told when you die, the lights go out and you're just worm food. I think that's kind of depressing. Me too. I think about like how, like you were saying about how we're like lucky and how it's like selective of like certain traits that people have. Just like your circumstances are so based on luck. Like you don't have any any control over like the grand scheme of things. And I like I also feel like that's just like depressing. <laughs> you see, as, as I kind of think it through and I look at kind of the postmodern worldview and evolutionary thinking, I keep coming to a dead end of depression and just going, well, that's so hopeless. I mean, and then too, now this, this is a debatable issue certainly, but there's something inside of us that says, I don't want to die because I just, I've got this feeling there is an afterlife. And there's something that is going to happen beyond the grave, which can either be scary or it can be hopeful. But if it's hopeful, that gives me something to live for. But if it's nothing, I mean, why, why are you studying? I mean, seriously, why? You're, you're working really hard and anatomy's just kicking you. Why are you bothering with this? If, you're, if your worldview yeah. is it's godless, it's purposeless. Yeah. I, I think I understand increasingly why so many people this generation feel kind of hopeless and bleak yeah. than formerly. Yeah, I think a lot of um, my generation, I know that I can sometimes do that do this i'll just be like what's the point what's the point of all this why do i have a job there i get it big questions that none of us can really answer and it's troubling because you want them to be answered and you're just going to keep going back to them because they're just such big questions and i feel like they can an answer would help you find a purpose there was a guy named King Solomon. Are you familiar with this story? I think so. There's a guy in the Bible, yeah. right? and he wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. So this is the one that begins, uh, there's a time, there's a season to every purpose under heaven. And he said things like vanity, vanity, all is vanity. He looked around. So this is the richest guy in the world. And he looked around and he went, this is vanity. So he tried to figure out what's the point of all of this. So he gathered himself huge land and it didn't satisfy he gathered for himself many women didn't satisfy him he tried learning so he gathered books but it didn't satisfy he tried wine so he would he would drink his way to happiness and he said it's all vanity this is just vanity and chasing after the wind so this is a guy that the bible says was the smartest man ever and he realized it's all vanity which is exceedingly bleak but then he gets to the end of his treatise the end of his book and he says, unless. And that seems like a good place to stop. Okay, it's probably not, but it does create a cliffhanger for us. You know, that thing that keeps you hanging on until after the commercial break. Yeah, I did it on purpose. Not really. But anyway, hang tight. Stick around. Stay with us. We will be back in just a moment as Todd and Jordan continue their chat. It's a Witness Wednesday. It's Wretched Radio. Two. That's right. 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. 
Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local churches that became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Thank you for joining us for Wretched Radio today. When is the last time you took a gander around the Wretched Store? If it's been a while, I'd like to urge you to do so today. The Wretched Store is home to tons of great resources, books, booklets, videos, MP3s, and curriculum. And I'll go out on the limb and say that everybody will be able to find something they'll love and learn from in the Wretched Store. So take some time and peruse all we have available. Wretched.org slash store. All of the resources that you'll find find are only made possible by the support of our gospel partners. We can't produce the content that we're able to produce without that ongoing support. So while you're visiting the Wretched store at wretched.org, would you also consider taking a look at our donate page by clicking the give link at the top of the page? There you'll find all the information you will ever need regarding becoming a gospel partner. Wretched.org slash store, wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet, the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like Preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today, offering free, loving, Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched know your church fathers clement of rome lived from ad 30 to 100 was a student of the apostle peter and served as the bishop of rome he wrote a letter to the troubled church in corinth warning against envy and immorality emphasizing humility and repentance his letter continued to be read during worship services for 80 years this is wretched radio with todd friel and we are back to witness wednesday on wretched radio i'm jimmy hicks in the studio todd is out spending the day on the campus at kennesaw state university and when we last left him he and jordan were pretty deep into their conversation todd was relaying the story of solomon and his search for meaning and purpose so let's get back to their chat now it's witness wednesday on wretched radio but then he gets to the end of his treatise, the end of his book, and he says, unless, unless a man or a woman is doing everything for God, it's all meaningless. But if you are doing something for the one who is higher, who is bigger, who is your creator and maker, then it's transcendent. Then it has purpose because you're not doing this just for yourself. You're doing this for the creator of the universe. And all of a sudden it's like studying sociology. I'm not just doing this to get a grade. 
I'm doing this to have the mind of God and to think better and to please God. That's what his conclusion was. Believing in God is the only thing that brings purpose and a bit of sanity and an explanation for why things are the way they are. Would you agree with his conclusion? Yeah, I am religious myself and I sometimes it'll be hard for me to like understand people who are like atheists because I feel like having a religious background, I feel like I have a sense of purpose in life because I have something that I like believe in and something that I don't know, just like makes me want to be a better person. And so I do agree with him because I feel like we can all like get wrapped up in our worlds, just like our personal worlds, not like thinking about other people or like thinking about society. And when you have that like individualistic mindset, it's just like very selfish and it's very like lonely, I feel like in a sense. So what religion are you? I'm Christian. So how does particularly the Christian religion make sense of all of these issues about morality and hope and the future and the purpose of our existence? So from your Christian perspective, how would you explain this in a way that has meaning and makes sense? Um, make sense of what? Make sense of everything. Why did he get up this morning? What, what are we doing here? How are we supposed to live? What's going to happen when I die? You know, the big, the yeah. big philosophical questions. Um, well, I think in like that lens, it's more of like a God placed me on this earth to be morally good and to help other people try to be as good as they can so that in the afterlife we won't have to worry about things like trivial things like school or like prop like family problems just like things like that i just feel like i don't know these are some hard questions wow you're the one studying sociology <laughs> yeah um i just feel like he placed certain people on this earth to like make society better than what it was before let me give it a go all right i'll share with you i'm a christian so let me share with you how i think it deals with all of these issues holistically because i think there's other competing religions yeah. that will answer some of these questions like where did i come from yeah. what am i doing they might answer one or two of them but to answer all five of the big questions in a way that's harmonious and internally satisfying and externally verifiable i think the only religion that does that is christianity and I think here's how it here's how it does it. The Bible says you are not primordial ooze. You are not lucky. You are knit together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. So in other words, Jordan, God knew about you before he created the universe. And his intention was, I'm going to make that young lady because I have got plans and purposes for her. I've got work for her to do. That alone should cause you to go, okay, this is feeling better than being just evolved swamp goo, right? <laughs> that that God, the God of the universe intricately designed you. So everything about you, every feature, your exact height, he's got you made the way that he designed you to be made. I think that that's satisfying both internally and externally because it's hard for me to imagine you didn't write this. I mean, I walk up here and it's like, Okay, there's a bunch of stuff written. It's communicating information. I can understand it. There's intelligence to this paper. 
there's intelligence in the design of the universe. Clearly, somebody had to had to do all of this. It it didn't just happen. So I think the where did I come from is satisfied by the Christian worldview that says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and he created you. Now it gets trickier. What's the point? What are we doing here? Right? What do you think, Jordan, is God's intention for the universe? Why did he do all of this? What's the big point? Go. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, all right. <laughs> all right. Here it is. The story of Adam and Eve in the garden. You remember that one? Two people made in God's image, male and female. He loved them both equally. There isn't one better than the other. He loves men. He loves women. And they were perfect. But they were given a law. Don't eat of that fruit, which seems like kind of an odd restriction. But there was a point to it. Will you be obedient? And guess what? They weren't. Well, you're related to Adam and Eve. By the way, I am too. And sociologically here in chapter 8, where it's talking about racial issues, um, knowing that alone changes the game. Because you're not one race and I'm not another. We're the human race. You and I are related. The only difference is you've got more melanin than I do. That's it. So the Christian worldview says, you're not my better. I'm not your better. We are co-equal in the eyes of God. All right. But we sinned and we inherited that nature. And you and I break God's laws. We violate his commandments just like Adam and Eve did. But here's what happened in the garden. They broke the laws. They were naked and unashamed. But as soon as they sinned, they were ashamed and they covered themselves up. And something extraordinary happened. God killed an animal to take the skins and cover them. They were covering themselves with leaves. God killed an animal, shed the first blood to cover their shame. And then he said, I'm going to send somebody who's going to deal with this issue finally. Okay, It's kind of a fuzzy little picture. It's like a great big drama is about to unfold. God has to cover the shame and the sins of the human beings by shedding blood. Then he promises there's going to come one who is going to deal definitively with our sin and our shame, but he doesn't tell us who it is. And then the Bible progresses and it gives us clearer and clearer pictures of who that one is who is going to deal with our shame problem. So you remember this maybe from Sunday school, you know, all those animals that had to die, Passover, all of those things blood being shed all over the place for the covering of sins. So literally millions of lambs were slaughtered as a picture of our need for covering for our sins. One day, a man named John the Baptist saw a man walking and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was announcing the one that God was talking about in the garden has now come. And all the blood that was shed as a picture for the covering of sins is now going to be fulfilled by the one who dies to take away the sins of the world. So God created human beings knowing we'd sin so that he could send his beloved son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life, to die for sinners as a lamb whose blood was shed, a spotless lamb, so that your sins and my sins could be forgiven. Because God would be unjust if he just waved a magic wand and forgave everybody. That would be unjust. But he's just. And so he pays the debt of sinners in the lifeblood of his son 
so that for all of eternity, God can be celebrated for being the God who saves sinners. He is so good that he pays the fine that we criminals could not. That's the purpose of the universe. God made the whole place so that his majesty of mercy, grace, and loving kindness could be put on display by saving sinners like you and like me. But now you've got something even more important to think through than this sociology quiz. You've got to figure out if you are going to receive God's offer of forgiveness through his son or not. Can I leave you with that thought today? Yeah, man. I've got a lot to think about, man. Could I encourage you to think about it today and not go to sleep without thinking about it? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to think about this today. Because what can happen is you kind of suppress it. And then what you're doing is you're, the Bible talks about like trampling on the blood of Christ. It's like you're rejecting like the best thing that ever happened to you. It would imagine it's like this. It's like before starting school and university here, somebody said, I'm going to give you all of my A's, Jordan. <laughs> you don't even need to study. And if you get everything, I'm going to give you my A's and you are going to graduate magna cum laude. Right? That pales in comparison to what Jesus did. Jesus gives you an A. He gives you righteous standing with God so that you can be with him forever. This is a big deal. So don't let the day go by. Just think about it. It's good news. It definitely is good news. That's for sure. And I pray Jordan does spend time considering all she just heard. I pray God will open her eyes and illuminate her to the truth. And I'll go ahead and say that I think maybe he did. Now, I'm I'm not a prophet, but it is rare for someone who considers themselves a Christian already to admit that they may not be one after all, unless they've been affected by the gospel. And we don't know for sure that that's what happened here, but I definitely pray that it did. Okay, we're not done yet. Not by a long shot. We have much more witnessing to go. So hang tight. Stay with us. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. And a lawsuit filed by a group of Tennessee parents alleges that a school district in one of the state's largest counties is ignoring a ban on CRT. The lawsuit says the Williamson County School District is using the Great Minds and Wit and Wisdom curriculum that clearly teaches CRT. One lesson for kindergartners focuses on skin color and racial oppression, while another calls for teachers to use equity sticks. Whatever that is, the state passed a law last year that bans any sort of teaching that anyone is inherently privileged or oppressive based on their race or gender. But some Tennessee teachers openly said that they would violate the ban, and that's apparently what they're doing in Williamson County. Pretty weird how the left expects all of their laws to be followed by everybody, but then when a law is passed that they don't like, they just openly defy it, and everybody's supposed to be okay with that because they're liberals. I don't think the world works that way. And you remember last week when we discussed New York City's progressively progressive Mayor Eric Adams? Well, he's still talking, and this time he said a couple different bizarre things. See if you can point them out. This is a moment where leadership matters. Uh, I think the creator knew we were going to have a difficult time, so uh, she made sure I was mayor at this time. They're always coming up with new ways of solving uh, the problems that we face, and monkeypox is a problem. So the creator is a she, according to Adams. I guess the Bible's constant use of he and father are just merely suggestions. 
Oh, and monkeypox is a problem, too. 2,500 U.S. cases, 16,000 worldwide cases that affect 0.0002% of the world's population. That's a major, major problem that we need to get a handle on. New York City sure is lucky to have a progressively progressive mayor. And that's Pat Benatar, but here on Ratchet, that may be the only place you'll soon hear Hit Me With Your Best Shot because she says we're not doing Hit Me With Your Best Shot and fans are having a heart attack. And I'm like, I'm sorry. In deference to the victims and the families of these mass shootings, I'm not singing it. I tell them if you want to hear the song, go home and listen to it. That's what she told USA Today. She's probably the only person on the planet that actually feels that way. But it is her song. It is her tour. So she has the right to make that decision. It's just a weird decision to make. More Engine Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 732 AD. At the Battle of Tours, Charles Martel turns back the Muslim invasion of Europe. As Islam decimated the church in North Africa and the Middle East, Europe became the new center of Christianity. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. We are back to Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. Obviously, I'm not Todd. Nope, he sounds way taller than I do. And he's out on the campus of Kennesaw State University today. We've heard him conversate and chat with Jordan already today. Now let's get back out to the campus to see who he's drummed up now. Welcome to LARPing 101. Our guest expert is Brittany. They're LARPing over there. Yeah, they are. It's actually um, my first time visiting to see some of this happening, but it's actually really cool. They basically are playing characters and they but it's so violent it, it is a little violent and i'm go- i'm actually i'm really totally okay with it i'm just surprised yeah. that our current culture allows for something so mean yeah well when we were growing up um a lot of role playing and stuff was really regardless of violence, was really accepted. So I think... you were just goofing around like a kid. And we're goofing around out here. Like an adult. Okay. <laughs> like an adult. All right, so Brittany, I want to ask you five questions. Okay. All right, these are going to be philosophical questions. Okay. You ready for that? Yes. Right. Here's the first one. It's a teleological question. Okay. Why are you here? I believe I spark positive energy. Well, that may be the case, but is that the purpose for your existence? I would hope so. Where did you come from? I'm talking big picture stuff here. Yeah. So where did you, you're a human being, you're walking erect, you can communicate, you appear to be more intelligent than like (laughs) the grass or a dog, as wonderful as those things are. So where did you come from? Like, how did, how did you become a human being and have life? I'm not honestly sure. I believe a lot in like chemistry and biology. So I think it was just like a Mutation type of thing. So evolution. Yeah, evolution. Very much so. All right. So how do you know how you're supposed to live while you're here? What's your rule book for living? Honestly, I try to be as best of a person as I can. And um, 
I play by my own rules, honest. So you're writing the rules. I am writing the rules, which is probably very not scary. I was going to say scary is very a good word. Okay. All right. So when you fail to live up to what you believe are the rules, mm-hmm. a religious person would call it a sin. Um, somebody who's secular might just say, you know, some mistakes, life lessons, that sense of failing. How do you deal with it? Um, it's kind of like you said with mistakes. I just believe I made a mistake and maybe that's not the, the path I want to go on next time and try to, you know, fix mistake that was made, you know, do better. Right the wrong. All right. Yeah. And then finally, number five, if you've been doing the math on this, <laughs> when you die, what happens? Ooh, that's a good one. I don't know because a lot of people talk, you know, heaven, hell type of thing. I think you just like don't exist and you like transform into something else, like maybe an animal. Reincarnation. Yeah. Is that crazy? (laughs) It kind of sounds like you're making it up on the spot. I'll be honest with you. It's hard because what I believe in is a little not the norm. What's the norm? Exactly. What is the norm, though? I think I know the norm. What is it? That was pretty bold, wasn't it? Reason with me. All right. Let's see if we can we can make our way to what the norm is and answer all of those questions holistically, meaning that they all make sense together. Because a worldview might get one or two or three, maybe even four of them. But if you're off on the fifth one, the whole thing falls apart. Definitely. It all has to harmonize really well. So reason with me. This microphone, I know that there is a factory someplace mm-hmm. with engineers who put this thing together right. and intricately designed it. I know that by looking at the proof, even though I've never been to Germany <laughs> to visit the factory, or to meet the engineers. I know there's engineers. I know there's a, there's a maker of microphones because I hold the proof in my hands. I look at the creation similarly, and I just intuit immediately. There's a creator. Simple as that. Are you buying this? Yes. All right. So creation proves there's a creator. Now, let's yes. keep reasoning. Can you and I agree that there are some things that are always wrong? Yes. yes. Give me an example of what would always be wrong. All times, all places, no exceptions. Murder? I'm with you. I'm 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 with you. Um I think hurting somebody, um raping somebody, yes. there's never ever ever justification for that. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, here's the problem. If there is no standard for what is right and wrong, mm-hmm. you and I can't make that claim. Right? In other words, there has to be somebody who's in authority who has determined those things are always wrong otherwise Murder would be a preference issue mm-hmm. because no, there's no law authority to determine that's always wrong in all times. We'd all be talking about murder as being a preference. Rape, well, you know what? You don't prefer rape, but I do, so it's okay. But because there is a supreme moral authority, we have morals that are always authoritative. Are we together? Yes. So here's what we've got. Creation tells me there's a creator. Mm-hmm. Justice tells me that there is a law giving a moral being that has determined these things. Mm-hmm. All right? Keep going with me. If there's a creator who made the creation, that means you and I are made. Yes. Right? And as I look around, like that dog over there, mm-hmm. like, that's a really pretty dog. It's a puppy, but it's really a beautiful dog. It is. The guy at the end of the leash is better than the dog. Mm, I oh, suppose. But you have love animals too. I do love I animals. I didn't say I hated the animal, <laughs> but I'm just saying the human beings are better. Mm, debatable. Dogs are humans too. 
No, they're not. They're dogs. They still, uh, you know, they, ha- they, they, they have some emotions, but they aren't as sophisticated in our, their emotions. How would we know? Because he's on the end of the leash. He's being walked. <laughs> he gets trained. True, but he can't talk to us to let us know that we understand. Exactly. But you and I can. <laughs> true. We're not wagging our tails. We're talking. Very true. Okay, so here's where I'm going with you, Brittany. Okay. You and I communicate. Mm-hmm. You and I are probably the height of the creation. Mm-hmm. These buildings, were they weren't made by dogs. They were made by people. They're a good point. Right? Okay. We communicate. That tells me the creator communicates. You and I, we have emotions like love. So I'm guessing this creator is love. We have a sense of justice, right and wrong. So this this creator must be just. Right. We have court systems, so there must be some sense of dealing with people's wrongdoings. Otherwise, we wouldn't have these things. They wouldn't really exist. So now I'm kind of getting a picture of this creator as somebody who's loving, just, relational. Because you and I, we just met. We're having a bit of a relationship in that two human beings just chatting. Even though you're leaning away from me, which is a little bit of a signal, you're getting annoyed with me. But nevertheless... So I'm kind of intuiting my way to trying to figure out who this being is. Right. The creator is loving, just, communicative, creative, because it's very creative, artistic, powerful, because it's a huge universe. So that is what I would say animates everything about the universe, the creator. Okay. If that's the case, then, if we communicate, that tells me this, this being communicates. Has this being spoken? I believe whenever you believe in something that it has to communicate with you or it's very one-sided and it just doesn't work. Um, so I do believe whatever you or whoever believes in whatever they believe in that, yeah, there's a communication. Sometimes it's not always two ways. Sometimes there's, you know, a little delay in like the radio. Right. But All right. I want, I want you to do me a really big favor right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Your generation. Yes. Actually, it gets made fun of a lot. I don't blame them. Actually, I do. I don't like it. I like your generation. I really do. And one of the one of the coolest, almost everybody that I'm, I don't know if you're Gen Y, Gen Z, whatever, you're younger than me. <laughs> That's the whole point. We're just you're, younger than most people who are but, elders. But, but you're always, well, okay, can't say always, but you're so nice. Okay. Oh, thank you. All right. Okay. So I, I don't want you to be as nice as I want you to be honest with what okay. I'm about to say. Because I don't want you, because sometimes I wonder, it's like, you guys, you know, you let everybody talk and you let everybody say things and you're nice to them. I don't want you to do that. I want you to be brutally honest with me. Okay. Okay. So here's my worldview. Here's how I put all of this together. I believe that, let's call it God, created the universe Mm -hmm. and that there is justice and there is love and there's forgiveness and there's punishment. There's art. There's beauty. There's all of these things because that describes God. Right. right. And with that, now I need to figure out who that God is because I've got this thing called a conscience, that courtroom in my brain. I don't write the rules. The one in authority writes the rules and I haven't kept the rules. I know I haven't. I know I've been mean to my siblings. I know I've been mean to my wife. I've been mean to my children. I've lied at times. Mm-hmm. I've had pride and I know that's wrong. Right. I get mad at drivers. <laughs> I have thoughts that I shouldn't have, and I've got to deal with that. There's something inside of me that says it's got to be dealt with, because if we've got court systems, there's got to be a dealing of justice. 
for everything, not just the murderers, the genocidal maniacs and the rapists, but for all wrongdoings, lying, cheating, stealing, lusting, all of it. Right. It's got to be dealt with somehow. So now my question is, is there any system out there that deals with that? And stop. That always seems to come at the worst times, doesn't it? But we do have to step away briefly. And when we come back, Todd and Brittany continue their chat at Kennesaw State University. Stay with us. It's a Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. You're familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is preaching. You have your John MacArthur Study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture. And all of a sudden you hear... Everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur Study Bible. Why? Because it is so helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's Word is trying to teach. How would you like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur Study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines? They typically make about $12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing. $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? Wretched.org slash Bible. Are we heading toward a dystopian society? Who decides what is good and evil? Who decides what truth is? Are there such things as fate or free will? Morals, are we born with those? Or does the culture we live in inform them? Those are all really good questions and topics that we tackle daily on Wretched Radio and TV. Our goal has always been to preach the gospel, equip others to preach the gospel, and strengthen the local church. And we're only able to do that with the help of our gospel partners. If you are a Wretched Gospel partner, thank you so much for your support, which has allowed us to create compelling quality productions that catch the eye of unbelievers, but aren't so cringy they make believers blush. And if you aren't currently, would you pray about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Help us continue to reach millions all over the world with the gospel. Just visit wretched.org donate, or you can also so just as easily text the word wretched to the number 44321. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched. Affordable biblical health sharing Christians paying for other Christians medical bills which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for mm, bad stuff second of all you can save on average $500 per month and finally MediShare it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years it works and the members including myself and Mrs. Friel Love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. 
These days, it's impossible to get to school or work without hearing someone with a soapbox or megaphone bellowing the gospel. How can anyone expect to soothe their conscience when faced with the law of God? That's why there's Evangelism Showstoppers. These pithy statements pack all the great anti-Christian arguments you cling to into bite-sized chunks, sure to stop any street preacher in their tracks. Shake the faith of any Christian with such intellectual whoppers as your mean. Stop imposing your values on me. The Bible was written by men. Religion causes wars. Evolution proves God doesn't exist. Christians are hypocrites. Jesus just wants us to be nice. All religions teach the same thing. That's true for you, but not for me. And the classic, you ain't got no pancake mix. These power-packed gut punches will silence any open-air preacher and make sure that no one hears the gospel and responds, so you can continue to live in willful ignorance of the coming judgment. Find Evangelism Showstoppers at your local bookshop or liberal seminary bookstore books of the bible the book of proverbs is a collection of memorable sayings meant to encourage wisdom for godly living each proverb is to be understood on its own and then in light of the rest of the book and finally the whole bible when you desire wisdom look to the book of proverbs which reminds us that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And we are back to Wretched Radio. It's Witness Wednesday. And when we last left Todd, he was speaking with Brittany, who we learned is a subscriber to Evolution. And Todd's been leading her through the gospel. How's it going to end? Let's get back to the campus so we can find out. Is there any system out there that deals with that? That helps me with my guilt feelings, my shame feelings, my lack of purpose feelings. I go through the same thing, so I'm not honestly sure. That's why I take a lot of the matters into my own hands, besides what I can't deal with. Obviously, what you believe in your higher power sometimes has more control in a lot of those situations. You know, I'm, I'm not godly, so I can't deal with some of those situations and fix them. No. So I just hope that and put faith into what I believe in will take care of it and hopefully fix it or show me which way I need to go. This is the part now where I'm going to ask you to be really honest. Okay, okay here it comes. Because this, this part is going to get a little dicey. Okay. I want to help you to conceive who I think that God is. Okay. And I want you to tell me if you think it's right or wrong. Right? Okay. Here's how I want to do it. I want to do this a little bit unusually. I want to imagine that you, Brittany, have a date not with destiny. Okay but with God, the creator, your maker. And this just God is going to open up the books on your life. He's an eyewitness to everything, including the thoughts in our brains. And he, because he's just, is going to settle the score. Justice is going to be satisfied. So I want you to imagine whatever the scene looks like. It's a cosmic courtroom. You get pulled before the judge who knows everything about you, every thought, word, and deed, everything you've done in darkness, everything you should have done that you didn't do and vice versa. And he opens the books and he sees everything. Would he find you, Brittany, innocent or guilty in his courtroom of justice? Well, I know that most likely these people who are doing the justice are most likely godly because they're working with God. So I'm assuming they're... So this is God himself. Oh, God himself. Yeah, he's sitting up on the bench. 
Well, I would hope he would be understanding that humans have human thoughts, human processes, human actions. But like we said, murder, you know, rape, that kind of thing is obviously really, really bad. I would hope he would be understanding to the fact that we are human. I think I would be no innocent. So let me bring you back down to earth. You break 10 laws, whatever it is, speeding, whatever, whatever you choose. All right. And you stand before the judge and you say, judge, I know I'm guilty, but I'm human. Will he let you go? I would hope so. No, he will not. <laughs> he can't let you go. He's sworn to uphold justice. Of course, you're human. Right. But that's not an excuse for wrongdoing. No, definitely not. And I understand that. So it's it's kind of hard because it's like, where's, you know, the thinking process between humans and obviously God is a little sure. bit different, yeah. too. I agree. But what I think the problem, though, is if they're like pretty good at what they do, he's going to be perfect at it. Yeah, and you can't just let everyone go either. You have to uphold the justice system. Bingo. I agree totally. I think that's reasonable, and I think that I can intuit that that is what is correct just based on my human experience here. All right. The truth is, like me, I'd be guilty because I haven't kept God's laws. I have done bad things. We'd both be guilty, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. As far, honestly, as far as what his laws are, I think I would be guilty. But as far as maybe being a good human, I would be innocent. Well, innocent. here's what we tend to do. <laughs> we right. do compare that. Let's just say we could make time just like one single minute. And there was a jail and it had Adolf Hitler and Genghis Khan and Stalin and Pol Pot and all these terrible guys. You know what they'd all be saying? He's I'm, worse than I am. Yeah, definitely comparing. Definitely. <laughs> right. See, I can see that now that you kind of paint that kind of picture. I'm so pride-filled. I think I'm better than everybody, frankly, because it's me we're talking about. I love me way too much. Right. Right. And so I have a tendency to be blind mm -hmm. to my own shortcomings. Right. So God's law, the standard of righteousness, we'll just say is embodied in the Ten Commandments, lying, stealing, right. lusting, honoring God. That's kind of a moral code that we all have. I've broken those laws. You've broken those laws. We'd stand before God guilty. Now, here's the scary part. What should God do with guilty criminals? Send them to heaven or send them to hell? If we're going on that page, there is, um, you know, purgatory if you believe in that. Um, but I guess a lot of people would go to hell. And, you know, the angels, you know, people I believe are angels, um, would, you know, go to heaven. All right. I, I don't know who those angels might be, but let's just talk about you and me. If we've broken God's laws because he's just, he must punish lawbreakers. He's got to do it. Otherwise, he'd be unjust. I'm sharing my worldview with you, taking you into God's courtroom of justice. All right. So here's the big problem, Brittany. And I think we all kind of sense this, which is why so many people invent systems to feel better about life. Mm -hmm. We have a conscience that confirms we've done wrong in the eyes of our creator and there's a price to pay and i'm scared i'm afraid to die and meet my maker all right let's fast forward remember we're trying to answer these big five questions holistically where they make sense this is what i believe where did we come from god made us he actually custom designed you knit you together in your mother's womb your maker your designer your creator and your owner is god himself and he's put you on this planet to glorify him obey him to follow him the problem is we haven't done that and we've fallen short and i've got a guilt problem you know it's funny you said something you kind of hope that god would like figure out a way to help me with this he mm -hmm. did figure out a way to help us with this jesus christ you've heard the name yes 
He went to Catholic Church, yes. is God in the flesh, yes. who came down from heaven, never broke the laws, never sinned in any way, and voluntarily went to a cross because something was happening there. It wasn't just a guy getting beat up and murdered. Jesus Christ was taking the wrath of God for the crimes that you and I have committed upon himself. Right. He was being punished for our sins. Our sins were laid on him. What the Bible teaches is his righteousness, his perfect keeping of the law, can be credited to us so that when we die, we can stand before the judge and be found innocent because Jesus Christ has paid our fine. All of these questions then are harmoniously satisfied for me. I'm made by God. I was made to live for God, but I haven't. Therefore, I've got a sin problem. God saved me from my sin problem. So now when I die, I get to be with him, the one who died to save me. And all of my big questions about life are satisfied holistically in Jesus Christ. Okay? That's what I believe. Now, I want you to be totally, totally honest with me. Okay. Is what I believe true? I don't know if I can tell you if it's true or false because it's, you know, your truth, how you function and how you deal with your sins and stuff. I understand. But here's my challenge for you today. Okay. And you've been very polite, but I still want you to be really super honest. All right. I can believe this microphone is uh, the supreme being of the universe. Okay. <laughs> and when I die, I'm going to go, I'm going to sing into this microphone in front of 20,000 people who scream my name and applaud me every single night because I believe this microphone is God. Okay, you would tell me I'm really wrong. Thank you. All right. Right. So now I can't say, but that's my truth. You'd say, well, look, you believe it, but that doesn't make it true. This is either the supreme being of the universe or it's not. It's either true or false because beliefs do not leave the realm of reality. So you want me to tell you if I think it's true or false? Your beliefs? Yes, ma'am. Um, me personally, I think it's false, even though I was raised differently. Yeah. I'll leave you with two thoughts and then I'll scoop okay. because you've been really cool to talk to me this amount of time. One, what I just presented to you is not Catholic. Yes, right? no, definitely. Because Catholic says you've got to clean yourself up to make yourself acceptable to God. What I just said is we can't clean ourselves yeah, up. Yours is more generic. Yours is more um, borderline. And I'm just basing it off of what I've known. The Catholic system is works. You got to work your way to heaven. What I just described is grace. You've worked your way to hell, but Jesus will give you grace and he'll offer you mercy and forgiveness free and clear based on nothing we've done, but on everything he's done because he's that good. And the second thing I would leave you with is my encouragement to you would be to at least just consider what this total stranger said to you today, how the worldview that I just presented, it kind of answers those five questions and makes sense of the big questions that we should be asking without contradiction. It all kind of works. And so my encouragement to you, because it is a free country for now, and you have the right to believe whatever you choose to believe. So I've just presented my case to you for Jesus Christ. I would ask you to consider those claims and just wrestle with them today while you're watching the LARPers. <laughs> okay. Is that fair? I'll think about it. Right. I'll consider it. Now, are you just being nice or are you being honest? Probably being nice, honestly. <laughs>
that's all I can do. All right. Hey, thank you very much. And that is all any of us can do other than pray, which I think we all should be doing for Brittany at this moment. She had absolutely zero interest in Jesus. Didn't want to even consider the things that she heard from Todd. And you know why that is? The gospel makes unbelievers uncomfortable. It is offensive to the way they live. And that's likely why Brittany had no desire to consider the gospel. But I pray God would not let her rest well or sleep at all until she does consider the gospel she just heard. All right. Well, that is another Witness Wednesday in the books. Next week, we'll have more encounters on the campus. And tomorrow... We'll have more Wretched Radio. Until then, tomorrow that is, go serve your king.